The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, according to her brother, hairier than Sasquatch himself, Tammy, the gorilla-looking Underwood. Say, Tammy. Hi, everybody. You do that so well. Well, I breathe heavy whenever I drop the soap. I wanted to be popular in prison. You were never in prison. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> Yet. Well, I, I, I was hoping that I could have, like, I, I'm trying out different mating calls, trying to get Jen Dahl to, like, go, that's the guy for me. So I tried Gorilla. I'm going to try, like, oh, a you bear. Oh, you mean she didn't go for your, your silverback gorilla? I know. She shot that one. So I tried a bear. Rawr. Rawr. And she said, no, you're not a bear. You're horrible. Then I tried limping and said that I was a polio bear. From the North Pole? Because <laughs> I'm a polio bear. <laughs> We're horrible. Okay, so... I'm so glad we don't do video podcasts because <laughs> we would do things and people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with those two people? They're officially mentally retarded. If they could see half the shit we do. <laughs> this, we're going to start doing some vid podcasts because goddamn... I know, right? <laughs> Our listeners be like, why do we even follow these people? Actions speak louder than words. I'm telling you, man. Our actions, people have people really questioning their listening preferences. <laughs> They're all, I must be a fucking lunatic, too. Man, you are if you're listening to this show. You are. You are definitely crazy. So my next one is I'm going to send her a picture of my butthole. And She's well, already but, seen your ass. But she hasn't seen the butthole. That's nothing to write home about. I've oh. seen it. I know. Why are you so mean? Why do you want to hurt my feelings like that? You're an asshole. Dude, some people, they don't understand the things I've had to see. Can you with see you. what I see? <laughs> a hole, a hole. You don't want to see what I've but. seen. <laughs> but. Sorry. No buts I was about e- it? I was eating a pickle. <laughs> I bet you were, you pervert. Where was that pickle before you ate? Never mind. I don't want to know. Your dating life is just disturbing yeah. so this is kind of cool i like this because i've never heard of this before the gave om me the om cult of terror yes that is a fucking side okay. of asia look i understand that there must be some killing going on but mm-hmm. to whoever the leader of this cult is that's a badass name no. i gotta admit that's that's a badass fucking name well i'm sure that that's not the name of his cult when he started it but well, was that yeah. in japan was it like number two lucky special Give me some That would sushi. be a Chinese restaurant. Oh, Saki Delight? <laughs> you know, can I get a General Tso's with a pork lo mein and, you know, egg roll and that's sweet nor- sour shrimp. That's my normal and fucking egg order. Foo young. And what number is that again, Scott? That's a number 17. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that? I don't know if I told you this story or not. Actually, it's a number 17 and a 19 fused together, but. Oh, Who judge? So it's a number 17 spe- Scotty special? Yes. And they go, oh, a fat man must be ordering from us again. <laughs> we feed you a long time. I know you will, motherfuckers. No, what's really funny is that one time we took my best friend, who is, by the way, I need to make this clear, half Korean, okay? Which half? The upper or lower half? I don't know yet. Like, like, like <laughs> seriously, because uh, like, if, if it's the lower half, that means that's a tight vagina. 
Asians. I would not know. I would not know this. You have to have her come over. I need to check it out. Just you know, for scientific reasons. Yeah. Well. Actually, Anyways, I'm more. No, we're not going to talk about those on the air. There's, there's another one I want to check out. But. <laughs> another thing? No, another vagina. Oh, shut up! You're so disgusting. Anyways, so, um, we took her, me and my mom and my son took her out to a Korean restaurant one time, and you know, I grew up in a Korean family, so I know how to, you know, I know how to pronounce the dish names and everything. And so, me, my son and my mom and I all order, saying the names of the food, right? Like, literally, she will order Calbee ri- ribs, which, how hard is it to say Calbee ribs, right? She literally says D12. What's wrong with that? That's <laughs> what like, I do. Dude, can you not say Calbee ribs? <laughs> I can pronounce the shit, and that's what I do. You want to know why? Quicker. More quicker. Because <laughs> we all ordered first and everything, and then the lady turns there, and he, she goes, what would you like? And she goes, D12. <laughs> yeah, but you have to speak to them in their own language, and here's how you do that to order the Calbee ribs. You ready? Mm-hmm. I take a number three special. <laughs> that is not how they talk. That's their, that, that's their dialect right there. No. I take a number three, and I take cook. <laughs> You're so dumb. Then you bow. Boom. Yes. It's so funny watching my nephew bow. But, okay, so anyways, Chizuo Matsumoto is the Chizu, Chizo, Chizu, not Chorizo. I that, sounds like come a up fucking, with that. that sounds like a phone brand. Yeah. But he was young. He was born in southern Japan in Ki- Kyushu in 1955. And he was the fourth son of, uh, and his dad was a weaver. He was they very poor family. Um, he barely made ends meet by making closely woven uh, straw mats known as tatami. And those are what's traditionally used to cover Japanese the floors of Japanese homes. Um, however, and what's really bizarre about that is even though his dad manufactured, made them for a living, they were too poor to even afford them themselves for their own home. So... They lived in a shack with, like, uh, dirt floors. So from the time he was young, all he wanted was one thing in life, and that was to be rich. Um, it was, But poverty wasn't the only challenge he faced. You know, there was only one thing I wanted growing up. Huh? To be a unicorn. But here I am doing a podcast with you. So you might want to jot that down. Oh, so not everybody's dreams come true? Wait. Working with me is a dream, jackass. A nightmare? I had nightmares of fucking Sasquatches and shit, and here you are. There I am. Scaring the shit out of the neighbors. Contrary to what you say, size 14 in Nike is not big. Sometimes sometimes you walk into my house and I don't hear you, which is a surprise because you clomp everywhere. And I turn around with Jesus Christ, and one time I went... When that was, I couldn't wear those pants ever again. Adam threw my shoe in the bedroom thinking it was my son's shoe. <laughs> because that thing's so fucking big. If you put some flotation stuff on the side, you, you can should, fucking float on the ocean. You Jackson Adam when they first met Jeremiah yesterday. Adam goes, damn, you're tall. <laughs> he, is a, he is a post-teenage mutant ninja Asian. That's what the hell he is. Kids should be in a fucking zoo. <laughs> I can't help it. Um, anyways, but that wasn't the only challenge he faced. He also had medical issues. He was born with infantile glaucoma, so he was blind in his left le- left eye. He could barely see out of his right, which is something blind my grandpa one, used to always say. Blind one eye, can't see out the other. 
Isn't that what you say about your hearing? Huh? I'm deaf in one ear and I'm deaf in one ear and can't hear out of the other. Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> what? I didn't hear you. I suffer from anal glaucoma. Sometimes I can't see my ass coming in here. Yeah. And since he had this disability, he was very shy. So, of course, he was bullied in school until his parents enrolled him in in a government-funded school for the blind. Then he learned, then it didn't take long after being enrolled there, that being only partially sighted child in a class full of blind students had its distinct advantage. It wasn't a short time after he enrolled, he became... He became the school bully and dominated and manipulated his classmates to do whatever he wanted them to. So in his, um, it, as he grew up, his pursuit of wealth became an all-consuming passion. He rarely performed favors for his sightless colleagues without extorting them for some sort of payment. As he grew up, his reputation grew with him. He became known as a person who would do anything to get notoriety and affluence many times during his school years he tried although unsuccessfully to become a student body president he never understood that his classmates feared him they did not respect him so by the time he reached senior high he was well developed in both mind and body and his grades were good and he had earned he had also gone on to earn a black belt in judo what he's a ninja (laughs) ninja court leader Yeah, but his ability to make money had also developed over time. And so by the time he graduated from high school, he had saved up over $30,000. And his ambition also continued to grow. He told his friends that he intended to join Japan's ruling political party and eventually become prime minister. As part of his master, that he called it his master plan, he enrolled in prep school in the nation's capital, seeking entrance into the elite Tokyo University. And his, to learn how to make the sushi. Hoy. Oh, yeah. Well, his plans were, he, his, his ambitions didn't start off on the right track because even though he studied and studied and studied, he was, uh, they did not accept him into Tokyo University. Bastards. Yeah. So then he became angry and bitter when he returned home. But not home. a bitter. <laughs> Thank God. I'm on a roll today. You are horrible. I'm making jokes all I can all tell day. you're tired. I am. I'm fucking um, exhausted. When man. you're tired, the jokes get stupider and stupider. Oh, my God. My jokes are epic, okay? Becky. <laughs> oh, my God, Becky. Look at her jokes. No one, they are so No one likes to watch jokes, and I cannot lie. <laughs> you're horrible. Hey. Anyway, so he returned home to a small village, and shortly after that, he was arrested for beating somebody up after an argument that took place in a massage parlor. Now, I don't know if it's because he didn't get the happy ending he wanted or what, but like that joke? You didn't like that joke? I didn't even hear it. What? Oh, my God. I said shortly after he went back home, he got arrested for assault after a fight at a massage parlor. A fight that broke out after an argument at a massage parlor. I said, I don't know if it's because he didn't get the the happy ending he wanted. Yeah, he don't get happy ending, but you no pay. I asked if you want number two happy ending, and you said no. You pay. You pay now. (laughs) A few months later, he went back to Tokyo where he met and married a young college girl. Their first child... uh, It wasn't long after they were married that they had their first child... 
Well, they had, he was their first of six. God damn, uh, doesn't he know how this shit happens? Get off her, dude. Yeah. So he married a woman by the name of Tomoko, and she became an inf- a steady influence in his life. Did you say tomato? Tomoko. Oh, is that Japanese for tomato? No, it is. T-O-M-O-K-O. Just fucking with you. I know. Anyway, she became a steadying influence in his life, and she even persuaded her family to invest money in a clinic that he would run. Now, um, the, it was an acupuncture clinic that opened its doors um, uh, by the name of Matsumoto Acupuncture Clinic was a success from the very beginning, due in no small part to the uh, dubious herbal remedies that Chuzo peddled to the unsuspecting public. These remedies, quote, remedies, accompanied by a three-month course of acupuncture treatments and yoga exercises were sold for $7,000 apiece. One such miracle cure proved to be nothing more than tangerine peel soaked in alcohol. His exploits eventually came to the notice of the police after he had been reportedly selling his... Hold on, hold up. That actually sounds pretty fucking bomb. That actually does sound like really a really good infused vodka or tequila, huh? Like, like it's not going to cure anything. I but, pretty, yeah. It, it might. It might. But it would be a good infused alcohol, huh? It, it might cure something. It might, I, 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 I don't judge. I'm willing to try extensively researching. Yeah. Alcohol-infused tangerine peels. I I want to extensively research. That. Are you going to extension? You're going to start now. Go to the liquor store and no, start your research product. Next time I can make it to the liquor store, I'm going to see. I'm going to figure out what I can like some maybe some regular good vodka or something like that, uh, or or whatever. And I'm going to infuse it. And uh, you know, for science, it's for science. Okay, don't judge. I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> no, because you can't. You don't have time to go to meetings. That's a fact. <laughs> I'm a drunk, damn you. But anyways, um, he would sell these cure-alls to elderly people at a, the city's luxury hotels. However, he was only fined $1,000, which was small amount compared to the money he had earned already from, his, from selling his products, which was over $200,000. He was close... Now, with that... With the $200,000, he was close to achieving his goals, right? He was start, Money was pouring in, and, and he had a reputation as a healer that was steadily growing. But despite his success, he wanted something more. He was still felt empty. He wanted some purpose for living. Hold on. What year was this? Um, in the 70s, 80s. See, 70s and 80s. If he would have talked to me, and he just would have waited it out. Okay. He's got the alcohol-infused tangerine peels, right? Yeah. He's looking at it all wrong. You start your own alcohol line. And right? I, he would have made billions and billions, and he wouldn't be in prison or dead. Or anything. Yeah, he'd just be a billionaire. We wouldn't be talking about him right now. Exactly. And he'd be like, oh, Scott is so good. I sent him some more sushi and two Japanese girl. Now, how anyway. old? How old are you? I am 16. 8 to 10. It's got to take you. I put you in package and send you FedEx. <laughs> oh, FedEx. <laughs> You're so stupid. We set, I overnight you to Japanese girl. Come on. Oh, thank you. FedEx. <laughs> and a bottle of infused tangerine. <laughs> Good times. You're so bad. Anyways, he needed to find something to give his life better, more meaning. So... 
he actually went into the world of geomancy, which I probably should have looked it up and gotten a better underthink, but it's kind of like Chinese fortune telling. Feeling the need for a spiritual experience, he began taking part in weird religious rituals and spent long periods in deep meditation. It was after one of these meditative states that he told of the rush of psychic energy he received that surged through his body and gave him the ability to see people's auras to point out who evil people were. See where this is headed? Sir, 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 that is called diarrhea. And we all get it. You need Imodium. You don't need geomancy. You need Imodium, sir. Now take your Imodium, go back to the bathroom and flush. Please, for the <laughs> love of God. Because damn, that no. smells like that. That smells like sake and bad decisions. Bad decisions. Sake bombs. Well, anyway. I was a sake bomb, all right. <laughs> Meanwhile, people are like, are we back in Hiroshima? <laughs> you guys drop another bomb on us? Oh, no. <laughs> We know who did it, you nasty bastard. <laughs> it was Cheesy Matsumoto. Yeah, Cheesy, Ma- cheesy <laughs> Mazda. Cheesy Mazda. You're so bad. That's so his new name. We have Salad started, Bar and we have Cheesy Mazda. When he you know, came out of this meditative state and said that he could now see evil auras, he believed that he was destined for greatness and he started making plans to seek a way of consolidating his, his spirituality. Now, during the 80s, while he was discovering this newfound spirituality, Japan was also in the grip of an outbreak of spiritual fervor owing to a healthy economy and the nation's need to embrace religious freedom. Now, he wished to align himself with an established religion to receive formal training to further validate the profound spiritual gift that he believed he possessed. Uh, Of the many hundreds of sects and obscure cults that he researched, he settled on one called a Gongshu, fundamentally, it's a fundamentally Buddhist. The sect had embraced modern technology by advertising and leading publications and beaming its message to thousands of followers by way of its own satellite station, TV station. Now, Matsumoto was intrigued, and in early 1981, he began a strict regimen of training for admission to the sect. The training consisted of periods of meditation every day for a thousand days. Having completed the ritual, he complained that the process had robbed him of his peace of mind. Disillusioned, he turned his back on a gongshu and began to lay plans for a sect all his own. In 1984, he registered a company called Aum Incorporated, AUM. Wait a minute, hold on. If he was going to have like his own Aum. sect of No, but if he's going to have his own sect of a gongshu, right? Yeah. Is he going to call it a gong slipper? Asking, I'm asking for Maybe a, a gong boot. Could be. What's that a boot? <laughs> eh? It's an out in a boot. That means Nola, Nola Z. What's that a boot? <laughs> Nola, what's a boot? <laughs> Did you go out in a boot? Did you go out in a boot? I'm afraid of Nola. I know that she's eventually going to murder me. I'm pretty she sure. Is, but actually, she doesn't want to come near you because then she might have to introduce her husband to you. And she's afraid of putting you two in the same room. Which would be fucking epic. I think it would be funny. I mean, we'd probably go to prison, but... <laughs> yeah, get arrested or beat up one of the two. <laughs> this is good times, good times. That's an yeah. adventure. So he called. He registered this company called and named it Alm Incorporated, which soon became unofficially known as the Alm Association of Mountain Wizards. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Do you think they That's awesome. Worship the mountain cow. <laughs> oh, here we go. We have to ask. Hold on. Reverend. Reverend. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, let's talk about the mighty mountain wizards. They were formed in Japan by Cheesy Mazda. <laughs> He was on a roll down here on all four times. Cheesy Monster. That's what you're going to call him now. <laughs> that's his name. Fucking Cheesy Monster. That's Reverend Beauregard Vine. But Is he you can better call him than both. Cheetah Ing? <laughs> Nobody's better than Cheetah Ing. The Chester Cheetah of all Ings. <laughs> Charles Cheetah Ing. Oh, my God. Where was I? So it was a grandiose title for a business that operated out of a single room a single rented room and derived its sole income from selling questionable healthy drinks. Now, student- like a bar. See, he <laughs> should have listened much. to me. It's <laughs> like a bar. when you go to a bar, you're buying questionable healthy-ish drinks because most of us know. Hey, if you drink a little bit of alcohol every once in a while, it's great for your heart. You know, that's so- only a small glass of red wine once a week. But yeah, hey, I'm just saying. So we go to a bar. Hey, let me get one of those health drinks. Oh, what would you like, Sir Jim Beam? <laughs> On ice? And Coke. <laughs> Splash of Coke in there. <laughs> not cocaine, sir. For, not a cocaine. Color, for a color change? Yeah, pretty much. That way there I can feel like I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> I can feel like I'm not a fucking drunk. See? I'm not drinking it straight. It's got soda in it. Duh. Dude, Duh. there is literally three drops of Coca-Cola in Just there. Just a little splash of the <laughs> You put the three drops, in, but it still has it in there, so it's not like I'm just boozing it up. Simpletons. Put some tab in there. RC. <laughs> uh, we're horrible. Gross stuff right there. Now, um, soon after Om opened for business, a few followers signed up for what was initially a yoga school with Chioso as its chief instructor. He came to public notice through an article in the popular Twilight Zone magazine that showed him supposedly levitating in a yoga pose. You've entered another dimension. The next uh, stop, yeah. the Japanese zone. <laughs> yeah, so yoga exponents had practiced the technique, which consisted of flexing the thigh muscles to imitate levitation for centuries. Matsumoto used it successfully as a public a publicity tool to advertise his school. The promotion worked, and soon he was flooded with hundreds of new members, which gave him sufficient capital to open several more schools across the country. He became known as a gentle, caring, charismatic leader, and his following grew to the point where he was able to place deputies in charge and go off on spiritual retreats in the mountains and on the beaches of Japan. During one of those trips... He met an obscure student of history who informed him that Armageddon was coming soon and only a race made up of the purest of spirit would survive. He listened keenly to what he considered was his spiritual calling. And not only did he believe that he was to become the anointed leader of such a race, but he was going to save the world by himself. When he returned from his enlightening trip, he declared to his followers that he was going to reshape the world and they were to be an important part of it. He took to wearing flowing robes of purest white and let his hair and beard grow long and scruffy. Damn it, that's what I should be doing. Growing your hair long? No, wearing robes of white so y'all can worship me. Never gonna happen. God, 
It's always a fucking catch. Why are you so mean to me? <laughs> Who hurt you as a child? I don't know. Not enough <laughs> hugs? What happened? That could be. That could be. My, my family was low on them. <laughs> to complete the metamorphosis, he changed his name. He considered that the name Chizuo Matsumoto was too... Cheesy Mazda. <laughs> was too plain for a religious leader of his stature and informed his followers from that day forward he was to be called Shoko Asahara. Whoa. You know what? I prefer Cheesy Mazda. <laughs> I got uh, to be honest. I think I really prefer Cheesy Mazda. Yeah, well. Now, Shoko Asahara took to his self-proclaimed mission with zeal. He lectured daily to his growing followers who were also keen to share in his vision for the future. With the increased revenue generated by classes and personal appearances, he traveled to other countries not only to spread the word of Om, but to align himself with other spiritual groups. In 1987, he went to Dharm- Dharmsala, a small town le- nestled in India's South Himalayas, he arrived with a large entourage in time to take part in the New Year celebrations and also to receive a personal blessing from the Dalai Lama himself. The blessing consisted of a simple photo opportunity. But according to Ashahara, claimed that he was given a divine mission to show the Japanese people the true teachings of Buddha and insisted that the Dalai Lama had selected him for the task because he had the mind of a Buddha himself. You know what you call a bunch of llamas running across the field? What? Llamageddon. It beats their smaller cousins when they run. That's an apocalypse. <laughs> so stupid. The more you know, the knowings have to battle G.I. Joe. Why is my hand hurting so bad right now? So on um, re- I don't know. You masturbating with it? What are you doing over there? No. I can't see you, and it's disturbing as fuck because you're doing you're weird shit. You're the one shit. that says you never want to see me. That's why you put all this shit between us now. Because you keep doing weird things, and all of a sudden, I, 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 I see a flash of hands, and then your hand will be bobbing like a, you're giving head to a fucking like a, a giraffe or whatever you're doing over there. I don't know what you're, and now you're waving at me with your fucking <laughs> mummified hand. Weird no, ass I was motherfucker. To push my head down. Never mind. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, you know what? I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy there's a goddamn barrier between us now. Oh, fucking weird ass stuff you're doing over there. Freaks me the hell out. I'm going to need more drugs. God damn. Yeah. So anyways, when he returned back from um back from his trip to, you know, see the Dalai Lama, he wrote his first book which he titled Secrets of Developing Your Spiritual Powers. This in self-indulgent book which promised to reveal such secrets as the ability to read minds, levitate, see the future, and develop, you know, x-ray vision, actually was a bestseller. The resulting lecture series was constantly sold out as and he was labeled the venerable master because, you know, that's what he called himself. Personally injected his divine energy into the faithful by laying his hands upon their foreheads for just, you know, $350 a shot. And then he goes, nope, you don't have a fever. You're good to go. Have <laughs> Devil some, be gone. <laughs> have, have some infused uh, tangerine rinds and uh, get out of here. That's right. 
So many of his students told their friends of the amazing results they had from his sessions. They, had, they said they had out-of-body experiences, miraculous recovery from injury and illnesses, and increased skill at board games were only some of the enhancements that their sensei had made to their lives. I finally won Parcheesi <laughs> and Chinese checkers. Damn you, Chinese. Ludo. I finally won you. Go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Othello. So several months into this mission of his, Asahara informed his disciples that the Alm Association of Mountain Wizards was no longer in existence. It was now to be called the Alm Supreme Truth. And it was no longer a simple yoga school that developed psychic abilities, but instead it was the beginning of a worldwide religion. Now, in order to expand his empire even further, he asked his followers to make cash donations to the cause to aid in their own spiritual development. They were urged to spread the word of Om through the distribution of leaflets, book sales, and word of mouth. Oh, my uh, God. Christians. I was going to say, does this not sound like Scientology? The Scientology, but it's, it's Christianity. It's, Catholic, yes. it's a special Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, my God. They're the oh worst. Oh, my God. With their... Watchtowers? Oh, yeah. Can I interest you in a watchtower? Although, Can I interest we don't you have in to sec- buy watchtowers. They hand those things out. That's true. They, when, every time, Can I interest you in the watchtower? Can I interest you in sacrificing a goat to Lucifer? And then they turn around and walk with her. No, you know what? This is the wrong house. Yeah, it is. It's the wrong house for you. Yeah. So, Alm Supreme Truth, under his guidance, gradually became an eclectic mix of Eastern religion and mysticism with generous helpings of Buddhist, Zen, and Hindu teachings. And... You know, some of their doctrines thrown in for good measure, you know, because they have to be a religion. Right. So of all the teaching of the many religions that Asahara studied, Asahara studied, none impressed him more than the Christian prophecy of Armageddon. Born out of a rudimentary reading of the book of Revelations and coupled with such influences as the Hindu god Shiva and the prophecies of Nostradamus, it soon became his... his um, organization's prime doct- principal doctrine. Uh, his lectures became spiced with prophecies of impending doom with the world deemed to explode amidst nuclear holocaust in the year 2003. We missed it again. Damn it. I'm always late to the it party. It was either 2003 when it, the world was going to implode or 2012 when it was going to s- stop working altogether. You know, according to the Mayan calendar. The only ones to be saved, he told them, were those who followed his example and attained spiritual enlightenment through the teachings of Aum. Hundreds of Japanese citizens responded to his apocalyptic ravings and paid millions of yen just to listen to his teachings and to take part in the various rituals that he devised. Now, Aum Supreme Truth expanded rapidly as more people gravitated towards uh, Asahara and his teachings. As each month passed, he felt that his influence was reaching messianic proportions while his grasp of reality was obviously diminishing. Bizarre rituals became the norm. One such one of those rituals was called a blood initiation. His followers were offered the ultimate experience of drinking a small portion of the master's blood. 20 to 30 loyal disciples were seated in the main chamber at one time where they were given small glasses that contained the blood of the master. Bader. They were told shut up. They were told it was it has been scientifically proven that the blood of Shoko Asahara was has magical properties. In return for that great honor, they only had to pay $7,000. 
for oh, each class. A, what a bargain. I know, right? Did they have coupons. They had to have coupons. They had to. You know, Groupon. No, that was a Groupon. Guess what I found on Groupon, guys? Let's there's go a, see there's Cheesy a Mazda. for that. <laughs> I'm not calling him his other fucking name. He's Cheesy Mazda, <laughs> no matter what you say. His name is Cheesy Mazda. Like Cheetah Ing? Like Cheetah Ing. Chester uh, Cheetah Ing. I know, right? Ouch. So many such treatments were administered to the faithful at regular intervals. Portions of his bath water were bottled and sold as Miracle Pond for $800 a quart. Fuck, I can do that? <laughs> I have plans now. You know, I have an idea. Hear me out. Your bandmates were telling me we should cover Jimmy Jones. I'm kind of glad we're doing this guy <laughs> first because we need to laugh. I'm telling you. So beer clippings, which were to be soaked in boiling water and ingested as tea, were available at only $375 for a half an inch. A simple blessing from him converted tap water into nectar water, a drink that, among other amazing properties, was said to glow in the dark. Um, My whole sir, thing is people believed this. Hold on, sir. That's called radiation. That's called radiation, <laughs> sir. Pretty sure you're not supposed to be selling that. You need to call the EPA. That's radiation. I'm telling you. That's horrible. God damn, fucking Chernobyl shit going well, on there. What, God damn. What gets me is people bought this. Because people are stupid. Well, because everybody wants to be part of the next big thing. Yeah, no, that's everybody true. Everybody does. I mean, why do you think, I mean, Scientology, Jimmy Jones. Why do you think I'm starting the Church of the Mighty Majestic Mountain I, Cows? You know what? I'm telling you. And I'm straight out telling everybody it's a fake fucking religion. <laughs> but there are so many idiots out there. They're like, that's a beautiful thing. You. I want to read the book of Moodoronomy <laughs> and, and the book of Calrithians. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, come, come <laughs> I'll get read, right on that. <laughs> read the bullshit that I'm writing because it's all bullshit. That's right. Literally bullshit. <laughs> So by the end of 1987, the membership had grown to over 1,500 in Japan alone, with branches in most capital cities. Several months later, the first international office opened in New York under the name of Alm USA. As Alm's influence expanded, so did, it, so did its appetite for more funding. Followers were urged to donate to Alm and cleanse yourself. He created the... I can't even freaking say this word out loud without you going off. No, do tell. He created the, quote, Shambhala plan. That is something you put into your butt by accident, okay? <laughs> That's when you have to call 911. 911, <laughs> what is your emergency? I Shambhaled myself. I Shambhala. I, I fell and it, it shambhaled me. <laughs> Sir, you, there's no way you, you fell on that. There's no way. It was an accident, I swear. See, and here's where I thought you were going to go with the Ramalama Ding Dong, but okay. <laughs> that would have been a good one, too. That's fair. Fair enough. It was a recruitment drive throughout the world to attract more and more like-minded people and, of course, their money to Om. Recruits were promised due, true enlightenment and the chance to live in a spiritual climate that would transcend their earthly needs and prepare them for the impending Armageddon that the master had prophesied. Those people who responded and joined Om found an atmosphere not unlike the Japanese public school system with a period of initiation followed by grading to higher levels of enlightenment. Those that didn't have the time to undertake the two-year $2,000 full-time training course were offered the training by correspondence. As well as the course course costs, applicants were required to pay another fee of $700 just to join. In addition, 
donations were sought from each applicant with a special offer available to anyone donating $2,000 or more, which was two gallons of his bath water. Members told that's their- fucking gross. I'm just gonna say <laughs> that. Know, the more right? I think about that's just that's a bot. That's a bot. That's a bottle of gross. That's what that's the fuck a that is. Whole bottle of disgusting. Because like I shower every fucking day, okay, and I, even if I don't leave the house and I'm not dirty, I still shower. I can't imagine what my bath water fucking would look like even on a clean day. I'm Much less you. you get his sweaty traveling balls we'll on see, there. And I won't. Well. Number one, I won't Literally take a bath because it. I won't take a bath because the whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing would traumatize me. However, I think taking a bath is disgusting. You're sitting in your own filth. Yeah, that's about it's it. like no, dude, no, that's just gross. To You're me. just marinating in your own gross. That's right. That's right. Because that water ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so members told their friends and families incredible stories of how they had achieved amazing transformations in their lives after partaking in the various rituals. They spoke of how the divine inspiration of Asahara and Om had changed their lives within minutes of hearing their master speak. As his fame grew, so did Om. And in 1988, they had amassed sufficient funds to enable them to purchase land and suitable premises for what was to be the temple and live-in world headquarters of Om Supreme Truth. Now, of all the images Westerners have of Japan, Mount Fuji would probably be the one that's most identifiable, right? That is correct. <gasps> yeah, I mean, unlike China's the Great Wall of China, Mount Fuji is like pretty much identifiable. Actually, the greatest thing that I can remember about Japan is hot Japanese chicks. You're horrible. But what was once an active volcano now lies dormant, towering above the surrounding countryside, eerily beautiful but no longer dangerous. In 1988, a less impressive structure took shape near the base of Mount Fuji. The group of ramshackle buildings that were to become Alms World Headquarters would never approach the beauty of their surroundings, but were set to unleash a destructive force almost as dangerous as Mount Fuji when it was active. (coughs) The compound that housed Om was nothing. Oh, hang on. Was nothing more than a prefabricated shacks, trailers, and warehouses surrounded by a high boundary fence. Within its walls, Asahara, the self styled holy man, was building an empire. Hundreds of people came to hear him and paid plenty to receive his blessings. They slept on bare floors for a week, received one meal a day of steamed vegetables, and sat through an endless series of lectures that, among other things, taught the participants to cut their ties with non-believing family and friends and join on. The cost? $2,000 for the whole week. Oh, that's discount. That's bargain. Yeah. Many felt the need to follow blindly and gave up jobs, family, and social contact. After being welcomed to their new way of life, some gave their savings and possessions voluntarily. Those new members who wished to play a greater role in his vision became nuns and monks and dedicated their lives to the service of their newfound master. If they had keys, would they be monkeys? And nun keys? And nun keys. Nun keys and monkeys. Oh my God, you're so bad. (laughs) Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And the nunkies. <laughs> to show their loyalty, they were required to donate their cash, savings, securities, real estate, jewelry, and anything they held of value. Can I donate children? Is that valuable? Not to you, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll donate Jake. That's fine. That's <laughs> fucked up. But I know, right? Following these donations, which also included all bank 
credit cards, and access codes. They were made to swear this oath. Quote, I entrust my spiritual and physical self and all assets to Alm. In return, they received an indoctrination of meager diets and sleep deprivation. Together with a barrage of his teachings, the, this succeeded in transforming them into true believers. Whole families joined the sect, the parents having to sign a document absolving Alm of any responsibility should their children actually come to any harm. You know what I was just thinking? Yo. What? Then I saw Cheesy Mazda. Now I'm a believer. <laughs> I had to is catch that why my... you were over there laughing your ass <laughs> yes. off? The voices in my head said that. I had to, I had to fucking compose had to myself share. before I could even share it. I had to compose myself. You're so horrible. So um, in return, they... Oh, no, I already said that. Young and old, poor and... Poor and wealthy all joined, including children who had run away from home. When the parents of some of the children contacted the cult to ask about them, they were given very little assistance and told not to try to contact them again. Many young people were caught up in the euphoria of Alm. By 1990, 15% of Alm followers were under the age of 20. It was, if it was freedom these people were after, they were soon disillusioned. Deviations from the rules were punished swiftly and severely. Offenders were deprived of food and warmth, and the more serious the offense, the more serious of the offenders were locked in tiny rooms without food or bedding and made to listen to recordings of his teachings at full volume day and night. Simple misdemeanors, such as falling asleep during a lecture, were punishable in a similar manner. As the memberships increased, so did the profits. Sales of on publications and other merchandise doubled almost overnight. The increasing profits created another challenge for him, taxation. After consulting lawyers and investment ex experts, he applied for official religious status for Aum. And underneath Japanese religious corporation law, any religious group could apply for this status, which included generous tax breaks, as long as it adhered to certain guidelines. As many people saw Ohm as an antisocial cult, particularly parents who sought the release of their children, its application was rejected. What followed was a concerted campaign of members of Ohm harassing officials, picketing offices, and writing threatening letters. Lawsuits were filed against the governor of Tokyo for delaying proceedings until finally, not wanting to violate Japan's sensitive religious freedom laws, the governor approved the application and he got his tax concessions. Om had succeeded in winning an important victory and continued making its presence felt. Several publications began running stories of Om's, quote, twisted doctrines and unhealthy influences on much of Japan's youth. The, Southern, the Sunday Mainichi ran several articles criticizing Om and their teachings. Um, now, uh, Asahara became very angry by these articles that were printing. I mean, to me, it's like a preview of what we're seeing now with Scientology. Right. Honestly. It's almost verbatim. Went with a group of his followers to the paper's office to demand that the article be withdrawn. When the editor, Taro Maki, refused, he approved, uh, Asahara approved a vicious campaign that saw Maki and his family harassed and belittled in public. Om even went to the length of publishing a special book that criticized Maki and his paper and distributed it throughout Japan. Night and day, a barrage of abusive telephone calls besieged Maki and his family. 
And finally, Machina had a massive stroke, and the members of Om gloated over what they perceived as heaven's vengeance. Even though the complaints against Om were growing, both in the press and from private citizens, the police didn't do anything. They were reluctant to follow up on allegations of cult behavior and mind control, as they did not want to be seen to oppress the religious freedoms that Japan had fought so hard to regain. Now, you want to end there, or do you want me to keep going? Yeah, let's end right there, okay. and then we'll record the next one on Wednesday or some shit. I'm okay. tired. I want to go to bed. That's fine. Wore out. You wore out? I'm wore out. I'm tired, too. You look tired and hairy. Bite me. No, you might get rabies. I don't see your rabies tag on you, so there you go. Remember, folks, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Uh, is there something else? Probably not. Fuck it. Medium, Crime Beat yeah, on I Medium. I got that one, yeah. I got oh. that one. Uh, this show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on any other buddies, any other buddies, anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.